Hi, everyone. Oh, you seem more tired than I do. <laughs> Nervous laughter. My excuse is that I have a 10-day-old, so I'm not sure what yours is, but we're going to do it that way. Uh, so, my name's Matthew. Super thrilled to be here with you. On the back screen there is my lovely family, minus one, who is currently sleeping uh, there, right there. Uh, I was going to bring her up here, because what would make you love me more than if I was holding this cute, adorable bundle of human goodness right here? Uh, but knowing my luck, she would puke on me on stage, and that wouldn't go over well. We won't talk about what happened to me yesterday. We'll... Uh, yeah, it involves some changes of clothes. It was all good. Um, I want to brag about my family. They're, they're wonderful. And we can actually, yeah, you can leave it right on that slide with, uh, with little Ren there. Uh, and so our other two kids, we have a six-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. And they are not here with us today because we value our sanity and we figured that would be too much. Uh, but our son's name is Daxon Reed. Our other daughter is Zala Matea. And then Ren Elowin is our, our latest. Right? Right? They're awesome. Uh, we love them so much. And there's been so much in becoming parents that have taught us about the stuff that God talks about in the Bible. It just makes a lot more sense after you have kids. Uh, and so in naming our kids, that's been a really big thing because we want something more for them. Uh, we want them to have not just a good life, but like a life of excellence. And I believe that starts with their name. Now, Amber and I differ there because Amber believes that a name has to sound good and it doesn't matter what it means. Uh, and uh, that's wrong. And so <laughs> uh, I will be hearing about that later, just for those of you who are wondering. It's good. Uh, and so Daxon is actually a really old Acadian word. My family is from that part of Canada. And it means life-giving drink, like water. We hope that everywhere he goes, he brings life. Reed is an old family name on Amber's side of the family, but to honor both sides, that he would bring life wherever he goes. Zala is a Slovene name because we were living in Europe at the time, and it literally means beautiful. Matea is her middle name, which self-servingly is the female form of Matthew. Uh, and of course, Matthew means gift from God. And so our, it does, it does, legitimately. I didn't pick it. It wasn't mine. Uh, she is our beautiful gift from God. And Wren is, of course, the name of a bird, but in a lot of British and Gaelic folklore, uh, the Wren was the king of the birds, small but clever, king of the birds. And Elowin is the Welsh word for elm, the elm tree, a strong tree that bends but doesn't break. So we pray that she is a leader that would learn and flex but never break. And these are our kids whom we love. And when we have that fourth one, I'll hear about that later as well. We, uh, we will desperately have to scramble for a name. Now this morning, it's a little bit exceptional because normally Amber and I speak together, uh, but she's done a lot of heavy lifting in the last 10 days and so has very much earned the right to be sitting down there. And I want to say that one by way of apology because out of the two of us, she's definitely the one you want to hear from. Uh, but today you're stuck with me, so you'll have to make do. Uh, and I don't say that because... Uh, we want to champion women in ministry, though we do, and we very much believe that we're partners in this. So I don't talk about how great Amber is because she's a woman. She's a leader. She's an awesome speaker. She's a gifted communicator who also happens to turn food into babies as a superpower. Uh, it's not that she's a woman who's a leader. She's a leader that happens to be a woman. And so today, it's just me, but I believe you'll, you'll stick with me. We, uh, we have a very 
soft spot in our heart for this church. Uh, I was saying to Pastor Dallas just before our service began, uh, we first got married, and six months later, we moved to Slovakia. Uh, and for those of you who are wondering, no, we don't recommend that. That is a lot of change all at, at one time. Uh, I was still learning how to husband, let alone how to live in a different culture and language and all those kinds of things. But it's what we did. And when we first started, it was really hard to go to churches and talk about the vision and who we are and what we thought God was calling us to do. Not because God's inept in any way, but because we were. And we didn't really know what we were doing and all that. We were still finding our way. And a lot of churches said to us, you know what? You're too young. We're not sure yet, but generations did not say that to us. And very early on, generations was one of the, the, the early adopters to say to us, you know what? We see value in who you are and what God is doing in you. We believe that God is up to something and you're a part of it. We want to be a part of it too. And I don't think I'll ever fully be able to express what that did for us as individuals and as a couple so early in our ministry life. That's 10 years ago. I, it, I had hair then. It was amazing. Like it... it it's not funny to me. Uh, <laughs> this church holds a special place in our heart. And I was saying to Pastor Dallas that I was going to share that. And it's so hard for it to come across as genuine because you're like, well, Matthew, you probably say that wherever you go. And I don't. And now thanks to the power of podcasts, you can listen to places where I preach other places and you'll know I don't. I don't. This church truly does hold a special place in our heart. So thank you. Thank you for believing in us then. Thank you for believing in us now. And uh, getting over myself, it's not about us. Thanks for believing what God is up to in other parts of the world and wanting to be a part of that. That's a really fantastic thing and probably the, the key piece for us. So just by way of recap, back in 2008, we moved to Slovakia. We worked with a uh, network of church planters there. Uh, and we worked with uh, a series of churches that we were able to get into five different communities in Slovakia. And it was fantastic. Uh, hard, really, really hard. In some ways, great, because Amber blamed everything on culture shock and not that I was a bad husband. But eventually, she figured out that there was a separation there and we learned to address things for what they were. But we were there for two years and we really thought that we would stay on there. We, we learned the language. We have great friends this day. I love friends there. We have pastors there that remain our, our pastors. Uh, and when the two-year kind of contract time was up, when we were apprentices, we thought for sure God is going to have us stay because he's shown us the spiritual need. We've learned this other language. I'm able to go to the post office and not feel homicidal. Like we've, we've covered a lot of ground during this time. And God very clearly spoke to us that we weren't going to stay. And that was hard for two reasons. One, because we were still learning how God speaks to us as a couple. It's hard. You spend, I've, I've grown up in a, a Christian home. I, uh, I would say around the age of 17, my faith really became my own. And so you spend a lifetime learning how God speaks to you, of understanding how Holy Spirit speaks to you as an individual. And then you go and do this crazy thing and you meld your life with a, another human. And you have to learn how God speaks to you as a couple and not just as an individual. And so it was different because often one of us hears first and the other one hears clearly first, I think God's up to something. And then very clearly, the other one will hear later. And this was different. We both very clearly knew very early on that we weren't supposed to stay in Slovakia. And it was brutally hard because people, I think, expect a bigger, better. Oh, you've got some other offer, you know, uh, I don't know, more glamour, more money, company car. And we're like, no, we're just leaving you. <laughs> so that was a really hard thing to navigate. Uh, and through that, we ended up actually moving to Poland, where the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada had purchased a waste to energy company. And the idea was to be more involved with the business world, because Christians, we've kind of villainized business in a lot of ways. Ooh, making money, that's dirty. Uh, and it's not. We need to have a voice as Christians in the business world as well. And so for those of you that are business people, I'm jealous 
us, good on you for doing that, for being in that world. Um, I don't know if I could do it all the time, but you do, and that's a wonderful thing, so thank you for being in the business world. I think that's a beautiful place for Christians to be very, very involved. And so we moved to Poland to be part of this pilot project. We were there for three years. Project, uh, it was inherently risky, and we knew that from the beginning. And in the end, all of this stuff kind of came undone, visas. Uh, Amber and our oldest son ended up getting deported just for a small time. And... Uh, <laughs> It happened. Uh, and in the end, that kind of came undone on us. And so we came back to Canada, and for two years, uh, Amber worked at the Bible College with the Omega program. Um, I gained some other experience and education. Uh, we got to meet lovely new people that we now get to call friends, see lovely, not old, but people from older days at Summit. Uh, it's good to see familiar faces. It's good to also, we have Amber's aunt and uncle here today, and that's wonderful, Al and Linda. They're wonderful people, and so they live in Parksville, but they're here with us this morning. Random shout out there, it's good. Um, in leaving Poland, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, one, because I don't fail. I am a type A doer. And if you were to ask me, Matthew, who are you? I would tell you I am the guy that gets stuff done. I get stuff done. It's part of my identity. I'd never really failed at something. And I know that sounds like a really arrogant thing to say, but it's more a thing of like, I'm a little bit obsessive compulsive and I don't sleep a lot. And so I just, you know, do things. Uh, and all of a sudden Poland came along and it didn't matter how hard I strived or tried or worked or pushed or pulled or begged, it wasn't going to work because the situation, the funding was connected to a place in Egypt, which of course the Arab Spring happened. I don't control foreign governments. This is a fact. And so I was not able to pull things together the way I wanted. It felt like failure to me. And I returned to Canada thinking that I was going to have to get to the bottom of every single wound. But I realized partly through our time here in Canada that you know what? Sometimes you need to get out of the way and just let God get on with the business of healing your heart. Get out of his way. Just let him be God. He'll take care of things, to have the bravery to allow him to do that. And it clicked for me while I was here in British Columbia that I just needed to get out of the way and let God get on with the business of healing my heart. That was a big part of us being in Canada. Now, when the opportunity came to go to Thailand, Amber's a better Christian than I am. And so right away, she was like, yes, let's go. And I was like, no, no, actually, let's not. Let's not do that. Um, I was so reluctant to leave Poland that I actually brought back all of our household appliances with us here to Canada. You can't use them in Canada. The voltage is different. <laughs> I was so unwilling, so unwilling to move past that. I brought everything back with us. Everything. How ridiculous is that? It sat in storage at the college. I was so unwilling. And I realized what I had actually done is I drew this really well-meaning, well-intentioned line in the sand. Well, God, you asked us to come to the Slavic world, and I'm not going anywhere beyond it. You asked me to come here. I've learned Slovak. I've learned Polish. These are not sexy languages. No one ever says, like, tell me you love me, but whisper it in Polish. That never happens. <laughs> it's not a thing. We've learned these languages. We've learned these cultures. I love big, burly, vodka-drinking, survived communism kind of people. Harsh winters, gray concrete. Like, I love this. This is great. When people think about Europe and they think of baguettes, that was not our version of Europe. Pipelines, that was our version of Europe. Love, love, love of the Slavic people. So God, I'm not leaving. I'm gonna die on this hill because you asked me to come to it. And that's gonna be my act of faithfulness to you. I will die amongst the Slavs. Probably soon because it's cold here. And God said to me, but what if I ask you to go? 
was like, but why would you do that? You asked me to come here in the first place. Two languages, God, two, two languages. All this time, all this place in my heart, why? But what if I asked you to? No, that's not the question that I asked you, God. I asked you why. God's response, what if I asked you to? And I learned that the times in life where I've struggled the hardest and found it so hard to be in relationship with Christ is when my posture is this. I am hanging on to this. And you, almighty creator, best of luck getting that out of my hand. God's like, really? You, you want to try that? But when I can live like this, okay, God, whatever you want to put in, whatever you want to take out, I'm good with. In Polish, there's the word prawo. It literally means the legal right to do something. Even for a driver's license, you have the legal right, the prawo, to drive. The legal right to do something. And often when Polish Christians use this word, it's about God because he has the legal authority, the right to put in and take out of our lives whatever he pleases. He has the right to do that. And I'm actually the one in error saying, no, God, I won't go past this marker. And so when God said Thailand and Amber said, yay, and I said, I'm going to think about that. God zigged when we thought he'd zag. The biggest lesson that I think I've learned in terms of the things that other people would hail as success, because I mean, it looks so glamorous, right? Young couple moving off other parts of the world, young family, blah, 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 doing these things and learning these things and helping in these ways. has nothing to do with Amber and I. The greatest thing that we have ever done as individuals, as parents, as a married couple, is to be willing to say yes and then allow God to be himself after that to be present. And I'm not going to lie to you. Even now this morning, the idea of presence is something I wrestled. I have stuff. I have things that I'm thinking through and muddling through. I am on less sleep than I want to be on right now. I have a world in Thailand. I have family in Ontario. I have friends that I love in Europe. And I'm here. It's really hard to be present at times. And yet, I truly believe that if I show up, if I am willing to show up and not just in the physical sense, that is kind of the first part of showing up, but to really like mentally, emotionally, with all of, all of me, show up. God is able to be God. And we need to trust and believe that that's enough. We talk about Christ in us, these image bearers. Everywhere we go, we take Christ with us. If we show up, we allow Christ to be himself, to be present it's a good thing. So we now work with Imagine Thailand, uh, which is a foundation originally started by Peter and Cavell Dove, uh, who, by the way, they send their love and their hellos. This church has been uh, in faithful partnership with the Doves for many, many years. Uh, and so thanks for loving on the Doves as well, them and their boys. They're awesome people. Uh, we, we esteem them a lot. And so uh, following the tsunami, which devastated so much of, of Thailand, uh, they realized we need to help. We need to be engaged. Peter was already there teaching at a university. Uh, Cavell was there working with uh, relief and development programs, and they realized there's a role for them to help. And through that, Imagine Thailand was born uh, in the sense that if they look at young leaders, university students, and they look at people in communities that are marginalized or in need, there's a way to bring those, those things together. And there's something beautiful that happens there that I didn't really understand until we had moved to Thailand two years ago. Because we talk about karma. We have a joke that I can't repeat in the circle. You know, karma... <laughs> Karma is tough. Uh, and we think in the Western world that we understand karma. 
We don't actually understand karma and what it does to a culture and a mindset. And I still, like, I get it like that much. But here's the beauty of what Imagine Thailand does in a karmic society. Because karma teaches you, you get what you deserve. After the tsunami, there wasn't this great output. We like Fort McMurray and all the love poured out for Fort Mac and Humboldt and all these tragedies that are then just, they motivate us as Canadians to action. Didn't happen. Because if the universe chooses to wipe your village off the map via tsunami, you were probably really terrible people and you had it coming. You get what you deserve. It's harsh. Harsh. You get what you deserve. So those that are in positions of, of influence or a good life, educated, wealthy, they must have done it. They've earned it in a past life. Those who aren't had it coming for what they've done. There's very little hope in that. And along comes the message of the gospel where we as Christians genuinely believe we don't get what we deserve. We are spared what we as flawed humans would get because Jesus decided that on the cross, he would take that consequence for us. More than that, he would then give us the same authority that he has. He'd give us access to his father's kingdom so we could walk in that favor, that blessing, that just like wonderful greatness that comes only from God. We are not only spared what we deserve, we are then given a seat at a table that we would never have any way of getting access to, ever, (laughs) at all. This is the message of the gospel that stands in stark contrast to the karmic worldview. And through Imagine Thailand, whether it's leadership development, so working with university students at different universities, often we work with like the Harvards of Thailand. These are the future decision makers. We've got a coffee shop where we can engage with students. We run English programs, baking clubs, games nights, all this to engage with students who are, who are looking for a different way forward. And then being able to take those students and plug them into relief and development opportunities where they're able to help out in communities that they probably would never step foot in. We then work in those communities with nutrition programs, water programs. We have a learning center, which I love so much. It's bright pink. I don't love that part. But the grades that those students get are notably higher than the provincial average. And the mayor of that town himself has started buying all the food for the Christmas programs because he believes in the things that are happening there. We have got... Oh, this, oh, I could just go on and on and on. Amazing, wonderful things. Migrant schools, fringe communities where we are able to go in and build water systems, not just because water is kind of a key part of life and not being sick all the time is a wonderful thing, but it gives us access to these communities where other people aren't going. You're driving two or three hours out into the jungle being like, there's no humans out here. It's not possible. And then coming across a migrant school and taking the time to put a water system in there, teach people how to use it, go for a year every month to go and check and train and teach and build relationship with that community. In a culture that says they're not welcome, gives them no legal covering, often abuses and takes advantage and changes the laws to make it even harder for their existence to be a possibility there. And along we come and we, we engage in something as simple as water. Our kids, being back in Canada, still don't believe us that we can tell them, you can drink the tap water. They're like, no, <laughs> find a bottle somewhere. As simple as water. Why would you do that? Well, see, we believe in Jesus. We believe that he made you with intrinsic value. We believe that he died for you and that he loves you. And we wanted to just demonstrate that to you. And if there's anything else we can do, please let us know, because we'd love to be in further relationship with you. And suddenly, some PVC pipes, some carbon, a few filters, turns into a beautiful demonstration 
of something they don't deserve from their perspective and a simple act of love from our perspective. Imagine Thailand is doing wonderful things. So in that, Amber gets to bring leadership to our leadership development and emerging leaders working with those university students. I work on the relief and development side, so more of those humanitarian things that I talked about. Quickly moving on then too, we work with ERDO, specifically with Child Care Plus. So uh, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada loves acronyms. POC, ERDO, Emergency Relief and Development Overseas, CCP, Child Care Plus, we love acronyms. BC, Yukon, what else are we, is that it? BCYD, BC Yukon District, love our acronyms. Nothing that we can't throw a bunch of letters at, it's great. General Conference, GC18, I love it, it's great, so good. Erdo, we work with them as well, uh, and we, uh, we bring leadership to the, the child sponsorship programs within Thailand. So there's about 8,000 children sponsored worldwide, about 600 children sponsored in Thailand, and it's an amazing thing because we're able to use child sponsorship to get into communities uh, and really open up a door for church planters to get in there. So not only helping with education, food, and those kinds of things, then a gateway for, for really neat church planting people to get into communities. And I'll talk a little bit more about one of those in just a little bit. So those the things that we are involved in. Um, and it's been really neat for us because Amber and I have always felt called to capacities and not necessarily to countries. And that's hard for us because some people are like, oh, take me to India and anything I can do for India. And Amber and I have always felt like I, we need to be involved in relief and development and leadership development. And it's been this really beautiful journey of God not asking either of us to really compromise or back down. There's seasons, there's ebb, there's flow. But really both of us being able to walk in our gifts and what we're passionate about, it's really, really neat. Uh, today we're, you know, kicking off this 100 points of light thing, uh, and it's exciting. One, because I truly believe there's a role for your church specifically in 100 points of light. There are over 1,000 churches in Canada that are part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and I have very high expectations of you <laughs> out, of, out of all of those churches. Uh, no pressure, but there's pressure. Uh, you've already demonstrated a willingness to look at new young workers and say, yeah, we're willing to get behind you. We're willing to celebrate you. We're willing to believe in what God is doing, and we're willing to invest in you. You've already got a proven history of that, so <laughs> you're already on the hook. Uh, people know. We know. And now you know, if you didn't know before. There's a proven history here of getting behind something. The Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada just finally caught up to you in, in formalizing it in the 100 points of light. Generations can be like, yeah, we know. We've got this. We've been doing this already. There's a role for you in this as a church body, uh, specifically as generations. I think it's really exciting for us to remember that the 100 Points of Light isn't just celebrating 100 years of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. This isn't celebrating Pentecostalism in Canada, but this is really our, our fellowship, our network, our family of churches has been around for 100 years. And in some ways, I really don't care. Um, and I know that probably sounds terrible, but let me explain that. It's not about us as the PAOC. It's the fact that God has been working faithfully in the nation of Canada for over a hundred years. Since before we were Canada as we know it today, God has been at work and how neat, how wonderful that we as Pentecostals can celebrate that we've been a part of that for a hundred years. And that's the thing I wanna celebrate. Not that we organizationally have existed, of existence, I'm not gonna celebrate that. Well, for Ren, I'll celebrate it. She exists and I love her for it. But as an organization, so we've existed for a hundred years, mm, We've been part of what God has been doing for the last 100 years. We've been part of what God has been doing for the last 100 years. You need to be more excited. This is a wonderful thing. 
God's been doing stuff, and he's chosen to involve us in it. That is a wonderful thing. Today, there are 340 global workers, which is the, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada term for missionaries. Missionaries kind of has a lot of baggage attached to it these days. Global workers, GWs, because again, love the acronyms. 340, of, of which I am one, uh, in 75 different countries. And I'm not going to lie to you. When I read that stat for the first time, I was like, well, okay, moving on, because I don't like numbers. Uh, and so I was like, great, that's a number. And then it kind of hit me of like, no, I should care because I, I am one of those 340. These aren't just random statistics. I am one of those statistics come to life for you here today. 340 people, families, moms, dads, singles, oh, hundreds of different stories. All of them willing to say, you know what? If God asked, I'm willing to show up. Please don't over-spiritualize us beyond that. Global workers have the ability to be like, you know what? God asked, and I'm going to show up. And in some ways, I struggle because there are days when I don't know if I'm doing this to my children or if I'm doing this with my children. I've taken them from one of the greatest countries on earth. We live in a beautiful place, great systems, great government. I know there's debates there, but on a whole, believe me, on a world scale, we're doing good. We're doing well here in Canada. We're blessed to be Canadian, and literally hundreds of thousands of people desire to be where we are. And I looked at that and I thought, nah, <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to take my kids with me. They didn't get a choice. They didn't get a say in that. And I have to choose to believe that God, when he asked Amber and I, did not forget about our children. But there are definitely days that I'm like, I did this to you. We're not doing this with you. We did this to you. 340 people willing to be like, you know what? I'll do it. And in some ways, I think I'm smarter than the average Christian. I get paid to be a Christian. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like, everybody else works their nine to five and then like, still has to be a good Christian on top of that. Not me. <laughs> Winning right here. Uh, I'm from Ontario. We were back there at Christmas time. It was minus 42. Uh, right? Minus 42. And we were at a church and I had a man question me on taking my family away from Canada. And being the sarcastic individual that I am, I was like, sir, you live in a place that's minus 42, and you've chosen to keep your family here. <laughs> really, between the two of us. I have palm trees. Like I, I'm doing okay. 340, it's funny now, he didn't like it. Uh, I still think I win. Anyways, 340 people, 75 different countries, an extension of who we are here at home to places around the world. It's a beautiful thing. If we go to the map that we've got there, this is a map of the spread of the gospel around the world. It was done a few years ago by something called the Joshua Project. If you ever want to Google it, it's super interesting. A very comprehensive study of the growth of Christianity around the planet. Uh, pretty simple color code. Gray, there's no information, or there's no humans. Uh, green, there's established works happening there. Yellow, either developing or declining. You'll see a lot of that in Europe there. Red, either minimally reached or completely unreached people groups. I'd like to point out that my beloved Europe is very, very yellow. A few places even gone red. The heart of Christianity uh, that once was the center of it all has forgotten and has reliced cathedrals and, and outdated beliefs and things like that to cultural history and not a present-day reality. I will never stop loving Europe. I will never stop praying for, for Europe and her people. But here we are, two years in Thailand, and I want to point out that it's red. 
Hundreds of years, Catholic missionaries have been in Thailand. Protestantism will celebrate 190 years in Thailand this year. And depending on the sources that you read, Thailand comes in at just under 1% to 1.5% Christian after hundreds of years of missional presence and activity. That's all kinds of intimidating for me. See, Europe within 200 years went from Martin Luther nailing a few ideas to a door to a Christian revolution that swept across the continent to now in Christian decline in about 200 years. Thailand during that same period was like, meh, we're good. Thanks, but no thanks. When it comes to the gospel message in Thailand, it has been slow, slow, slow progress. And along we come, young with our families, articulate, trying to be funny at times. Here we are, Thailand. Prepare yourself. The prices have arrived. Not even a chance. People far smarter than I am, far more articulate, far more loving, far more compassionate, far more logistically gifted, blah, 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 blah. Far beyond anything I bring to the table. Have lived and served and died in Thailand and it endures, let's split the difference and say at 1% Christian. That's hard. Talking to people that have been there much longer than us. And the stories are, oh yeah, it took 13 years before we even saw any traction. I'm like, okay, 13 years, that's a while. Okay, that's, that must have been discouraging for a little bit there, huh? Yeah. It's the long haul. And in those moments, I have to remind myself that I am tethered to an eternal God who exists outside the bonds of time and has a long-term plan that he put into motion thousands of years ago. And I get to exist for a little blip and that's it. And I play a small role in the greater plan for Christ that he has for us, our people, our neighbors, the nations. 13 years, drop in the bucket. I was willing to die for the Slavs. I'll do it for the ties. Not because one is one and then one's the other, but because Christ was willing to do it first. And that's the example that I'll follow. But I'm not going to lie to you. Intimidating like no tomorrow. In talking through the 100 points of light, uh, a verse that's come up a lot is Acts 1.8. And there's been a lot of internal dialogue amongst the missionaries, the global workers, um, about Acts 1.8. And I want to share just one little thing from that that stuck out. And, and normally, I, you're going to have to just journey with me today. I would take a chunk of scripture and we just kind of pound through that as best we can. Uh, but today, I just want to camp out here. And it's been a little bit of our own story, too. I totally didn't check the time when I started. Half an hour ends when? Excellent. I don't know if they agree. Wave at me. That's good. Acts 1.8. It's right there. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And often when we talk about missions, especially international missions, this verse comes out. This is kind of, if you've grown up in any kind of church circle, I'm 99.9% sure you have heard this this voice, this verse quoted by somebody in my position. Uh, And they'll springboard and, and go from there. And I hate the fact that I'm about to springboard and go from there, but... We've, we've used this verse a lot, and that doesn't make it any less effective. It doesn't make it any less powerful. It's still spirit-breathed, you know? It's still God's word. Um, but we get kind of used to hearing it. And there was part 
uh, of it that I missed, that I missed. And it really nailed me as we were talking through this as, as global workers and some of the lead up to this 100 points of light. Because we often talk about these kind of concentric, ever-expanding rings. You start with your immediate. You start with Jerusalem, which is, you know, for the Jews was home. So you start home, immediate. Then you go out from there. Maybe that's your workplace, your school, your neighbors, probably one of the ones you like, though, not the ones that like, put their trash bins too close to the road. Those folks are on their own, <laughs> not yours. You go out from there, and it's maybe it's Nanaimo. It's your greater community. And then maybe it's the island. And then every now and then we might think of the mainlanders. And then, you know, we go out and we think of, of Canada. And then we think of the world. And we kind of have this progressive outward going thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because I genuinely believe that your faith should rub off on the people that you rub shoulders with the most. If, if your coworkers don't know there's something different about you, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. If, you're, if your teachers don't know that there's something different about you, there's something amiss. There should be impact in our immediate. Nanaimo should be a different place because you're here, because generations exist in this community. It should be. 100%. I'm not questioning that. But here's the part that I missed, and I was guilty of this in my thinking, because I kind of read this as a and then, and not just an and. I would read it from Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. It's like some kind of checklist. Have I talked to my neighbors? Okay, now I'm allowed to go and talk to my coworkers. Okay, now I can go on my first short-term trip, and I can, no more steps here, and now I'm allowed to go far, far away, and then, and then, and then, and then. That's how I was reading it, and then, and then, and then. But that's not actually what's there. It's not a, and then, it's not this progressive, like, Jesus only loves the people around you, but doesn't really love the people away from you. It's not it. It's and, 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 and. All directions, all people at the exact same time. And, and, and. No and then. Done. That's all there is to it. A call to go in all directions at the same time. And so that got me thinking of, well, I, I can't do that. I, I can't be in Canada and in Thailand and in Slovakia and in Poland and, and, and. So how does this work out then? And I'm reminded of the fact that we are actually all family. We are connected. I am a big believer in the Canadian church. I left you, <laughs> but I believe in you. Truly, 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 truly. I need you to succeed I need you to be spiritually healthy. I have friends and family on this island. I need generations to be effective in representing Christ here. Please, please. It tears at me some days when I read the headlines of what's happening in my home nation. I'm from Toronto. It's been hard to be away from Toronto lately. It tears at my heart. I need you. I need you. Because I can't be here. I'm not omnipresent. Coffee won't allow me that as much as I try. I need you to be healthy and well. Because my Jerusalem isn't mine anymore. It's yours. God knows that. That's why he's put us in family. Sometimes I think 
global workers, we can be guilty of thinking of churches as just a funding source. Well, we'll show up, you know, we'll do our song and dance, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully you'll send us some dollars. I don't need your dollars. I, I do, don't take them away. God's going to take care of me. If you're working your nine to five and you think you're providing for yourself, you're wrong. God's taking care of you. I'll give it to you. How God takes care of me looks radically different, and some days it stresses me right out. It's not you. It's God taking care of you. God will take care of me. I need your dollars. I need God's provision. What I need from you, your prayers and your presence in this community. I need that. Flip side being you need me. It's reciprocal because you can't be in Thailand at the same time that you're here. If we as Christians are going to nail the and, 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 we need to do it together. Bottom line, no way around it. We need each other. This is how we walk out the and of God's kingdom because we are finite and limited to one place, but God is not. He is in Thailand right now doing stuff that I can't even wrap my head around. This valley behind me is one of my favorite places to go in Thailand. It is uh, in northern Thailand. It's a place where Child Care Plus has been part of first sponsoring a few kids, then getting a community center, and now it's grown into a church, which is just the neatest place up in the hill tribes. Most of the people that come to this church are not Christian. They still worship animals and ancestors. Big bleed from China uh, in terms of thought process in this area of, of Thailand. A lot of them worship animals, worship nature. It's beautiful. Those red plants, that's what a poinsettia looks like when it grows beyond your Christmas decoration. I didn't know that was a thing. They're a thing. Those are poinsettias, bushes. Who knew? It's an amazing place. And it sits between two towns. The pastor there, his name is Don. He's a wonderful man. And he's built his church between these two towns and these two valleys. And his church sits on the mountain between these two valleys. This is one of them that you're looking out at. And so he's named his church after the two, and I always have to read it to make sure I do it. So it's Tung Luang Huai Sai, because there's the town of Tung Luang and Huai Sai on the other one. And he's built his church with both names in the middle. And you can't see it super well in this picture, but across the valley on the, so it would be your yep, left-hand side, there's a temple that sits on top of that, that kind of dark green mountain right there. You can kind of see the top of it sticking out of the top of the trees. And it's been a fascinating place for me because when you go and visit, you're like, oh man, the church just built their outdoor kitchen. You're able to serve in different ways. And you'll look across and the temples redone all their chetties, their bright gold again. The church built their actual church building. The temple expanded its courtyards. The church painted the outside of their building because it's a big thing in Thailand. It shows permanence. It shows completion. Temple redid all their statues. One and the other, with all the people in between. It grabs me any time that I'm there because it reminds me. We talk about, oh, there's the emotional world, there's the physical world, there's the spiritual world. Those are like all real things. We are, we are woven up of all those layers. But the reality is there is two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of darkness. And everything else fits into one of those kingdoms. Everything. There's not like a third kingdom secretly waiting somewhere. Two kingdoms, God's kingdom and everything else. Bottom line, that's it. God's kingdom and everything else. The kingdom of everything else is not passively sitting by while God's kingdom advances. And I am not one of those, like, I see the devil hiding behind every corner. I don't think I'm important enough for the devil to be after me personally. But I do believe there is a spiritual war that we are a part of. 
And I believe that this valley, to me at least, represents a front line in a physical way where the two kingdoms have squared off against each other, fighting for the souls of the people in between. And you better believe that as one grows, the other one's not like, well, sure, come on in after you. It's a war. It's a war. This valley reminds me of why we send people. And when you think about 100 people going and a million dollars, those are big numbers, and it might sound like a lot. At least I think it does. But I actually don't think it is. And here's why I think it's important that we send Because through Imagine Thailand, we employ Burmese people, we employ Thai people, we've got an international team of people working with us there in Thailand who are doing a wonderful job while us Canadians are here. Nothing has stopped. Everything is still going because we have wonderful Thai and Burmese staff still doing everything and keeping it all going. They're awesome and they make me look really good. (laughs) They're the ones we should celebrate, not us. We are supporting national staff. We are empowering national staff. And I do, I could say it'd be very easy to take the money that you give to us and just send it to those nationals. I mean, it'd be cheaper, you can make all these different arguments. And they're not wrong, and I fully believe that it's a conversation worth having. But here's why I think it's important that we're doing the 100 points of light, we're sending 100 new people, we're raising a million dollars. Here's why. Because we're at war. We're absolutely at war. And how would it look, what message would it send if we the rich, developed, educated Western nation were willing to send our dollars to put somebody else's kids on the front line, but not put our own sons and daughters, not put ourselves on the front line of that war. Historically, in colonial times, we've done that. I am a educated Western, blue-eyed Christian male. When it comes to privilege, I am, I am apex. Like, I... <laughs> I am, I am top. And a lot of places in the world, especially missionary, oh my goodness, the destroyer of cultures, I would be viewed as not a welcome sign. And I'm aware of all those things. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to link arms with my Thai brothers and sisters and say, I'm here with you, boots on the ground, side by side, because the Canadian church isn't isolated. The Canadian church recognizes that we are a global church and a global body, and though we exist in locations in Canada, in communities, in towns, we are part of something so much bigger. And so we're willing to send and support. I never, never want us to be the people that are willing to allow other kids other sons and daughters, other families to take all the risk while we sit in the comfort of a Canadian church building. That is not the kind of faith that I believe we are called to. We are called not to be risk takers because that's silly. Have you met God? There's no risk. He's all powerful, all knowing, all loving. What risk? No risk. Obedience and the courage to be obedient totally different from risk. May we never be the church that cowers and allows others to be on the front line while we're not. For us, the front line is Thailand. It looks like this. Your front line looks very different from mine. Thank God for that. Thank God that you're involved in different places than I am. It's a wonderful thing to know that we are not willing as the Canadian church to allow other people to take all the risk. God's kingdom has one direction, forward, 
No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is a forward-moving kingdom. And if I could give you one image for what it looks like, it's trying to pack a suitcase with your children, which if you've never done it, does not go well. Because you know, it's chaos, and they throw things everywhere, and you get to where you're going, and you're looking for that like, other t-shirt that you swore you packed, and you know that when you get home, you're going to find it two weeks later tucked behind the drapes, and you don't know how it got behind the drapes, but you know one of your kids was involved. This is the kingdom of God. It's in motion, and God doesn't need us to help pack that suitcase. I don't need my kids to help me pack. I choose to involve them because I want them involved in the things that I'm a part of. God doesn't need us for the work of his kingdom. He chooses to involve us in that, knowing that it's still going to be chaotic and sloppy and messy and all those different things. He chooses to involve us in the work of his kingdom. And it's a wonderful thing for us to remember. All of us have a role in that. If you'd flip over to the slide of 1 Corinthians. We all have a role. Whoops, I've cut myself off. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded accepting to his own labor, according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Different roles. One sows, one waters, one reaps. Different functions. All called to God's purpose. So if you're sitting here today being like, well, Matthew, what am I supposed to I'm not moving to Thailand. Okay. I'm not moving to Nanaimo. <laughs> right, God? So <laughs> we are all called to the same purpose. And so my question is, what is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to do? It might look different than what it looks like for me. And I know I'm probably over time and I'm so far away from my notes, but what is God asking you to do? You can celebrate the things that he's doing and has done. 100 years, that's amazing. Celebrate that. You can be a part of sending. You can be a part of giving. And I know generations can. But there's something more for you. He knows you. He knows you. That thing you try to hide from everybody else, he already knows it. Stop trying to hide it from him. Just get involved with what he's asking you to do. Be willing to say yes to whatever it is that God is asking you to do. And I promise you that when he shows up, he is faithfully himself if you are willing to be uniquely yourself in obedience to him. Pastor Darcy.